I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. You know, I watched, um, I, I, like I said earlier, I, I was watching a few videos of yours. I had seen some before, um, and I'll just jump to the end of everything I'd written down. When I first got into this, I, I was in my early 50s. I found this real late in life. I was like, how did I not ever see this? Yeah. And um, shot it one time. I'm like, oh, I got to do this. I was always doing rifle stuff before. Okay. And, uh, and you know, I, I go out there and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I qualified expert in the Marine Corps like five times. I'll be good. And I got out there. I was like, oh, I'm horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea how bad I was. But, and slow. Dear God, was I slow. But. Um, so I started looking at videos and I now have a grip that's, it's a combination. Uh, I don't know how I would mix the names, but it's a Vogel Seeklander grip. Okay. It's a combination of the two. And, uh, so I'm very proud of my grip, but, um, you said something that was very interesting. You, you said, I've got it written down, so I'm going to read it here. You felt that next to trigger control grip was one of the most important aspects of shooting and more important when shooting fast. So exactly what do you mean by next to trigger control and, and all of that? Well, I mean, I, I, I think trigger control is the, the most important thing for sure. I think it's the hardest thing to master. And it's just when you're shooting fast, that, that's the one thing that people have the, the most trouble with is to master trigger control. There's so many guys, they, they've got the, everything figured out. They practice a lot. They've got the grip down, but they just... They, they lack trigger control just in, simply in the fact of being able to move this finger without moving uh, the rest of your fingers and the rest yeah. of the hand. And so they got the whole low left thing going on um, for right-handed shooters. And there's just, that, that's the hardest, that's the hardest thing to master. And I'm forever about that. But uh, the, the grip, I mean, it matters with speed because, you know, if, if you're not, I always tell people, if you're like your average Joe Schmo that goes to the range in this country, what are you trying to do? He's standing there. He's trying to shoot, hit a bullseye or shoot a good group or shoot, hit a pop can or something. But he's almost entirely concerned with accuracy. He's very small percentage of people will ever worry about speed. Right. Um, they just don't do it. It's just, and so if you're not concerned about speed, the grip doesn't really matter so much. All that really matters is that you could have the worst grip in the world. And as long as the sights are in the right place and you break the shot without moving the sights, then you're going to, you can shoot the best group there is. Um, but with speed, we care about what happens after the shot. We want to get shot number two, three, four, five, whatever on target as fast as possible. And, and the stuff is measured in hundreds of seconds. So all else equal, it's pretty simple. The less the gun moves when you shoot it, the better you're going to shoot. Um, all else being equal. I mean, if you're, if I'm going to shoot whatever, six shots a second, and so-and-so is going to shoot six shots a second, and his gun moves an inch and a half on every shot, and mine moves three-quarters of an inch on every sh- half as much, uh, who's, who, if everything else is equal, whose group do you think is going to be better? Mine's going to be better because there's less variables. The gun's moving less. Again, everything else equal thing is kind of hard to factor in, but uh, it, it totally matters. So, you know, higher, further forward you have, the more muscle you have on 
um, less it moves, the less variables you have, the better, the better that you shoot. And there's a lot, there's so much with, with a lot of people don't understand is, is the timing of everything too. Cause the, the grip, how your fingers are and how your hands are and how you torque and all this stuff. That's the part that like, <clears throat> I guess I can, I can see an instructor can see what you can't see is, is the timing. Um, when you, a lot of people have shot a lot, but they've not shot a lot at speed. And so it takes shooting a lot at speed to develop that timing because you're actually, you really are pushing against the gun during recoil in, in such a way to just guide that gun preferably back to the same spot. And that is totally, it's a feel thing and there's no substitute for that. So it's like, it's like, why well, I see the analogy watching two guys throwing darts. You can have watch two guys, a baseball or whatever, watch two guys throwing darts. Technique wise, they look exactly the same. The stance is the same, hold the dart and finger the same place, all this stuff. But one guy, he hits the bullseye a lot more than the other guy. You can't say that's because of tech, technique. It's because of what he has inside him, his ability inside him um, to do that. And there's a certain amount of that in shooting also. So some guys get frustrated because it's like, man, I got the, I got the grip down and it looks like I'm doing it like you and my fingers here, my thumbs there. And they're super particular on that, which not that you shouldn't be, but it's not all about that. It's about what you can do inside that internal feel thing. And, and it's hard to teach people that you can explain that to people, but people have to learn to develop that on their own because there's, there's so much to that. I mean, on average, on average, yeah, the better the grip you're going to, you're going to do better. But I've seen some guys with a, not as strong of a hands with a little bit lower of a grip. Um, but they have the time and then they're going to shoot, they're going to shoot better than somebody that has this total crushing, perfect grip. Um, and so it's, it's just all those things factored, factored in together is, is what matters. Mm. Okay. And it's, it's interesting because I mean, you, you basically explained exactly why. And I finally realized that eventually why I was so terrible when I first started, which was, I was like, don't, you know, I'm going to break the shot and not move the sights because that's to me was what trigger control was. Yeah. It, it wasn't all this other stuff. So I'm just like, all right, hold it nice and still and just squeeze and pay. Oh, good. Center. Next one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just people don't generally realize what they, they don't realize what they can get away with because everybody's, you know, taught with the whole shot thing. And it's just when, when you pay attention, I always tell people, when you're doing things, I mean, pay attention to the score, whether you're a competition shooter or not. Um, you're, you're, you're measuring your performance. Half of your performance are the hits you have on the target. The other half of your performance is the time it takes you to do it. They both come together to give you that performance. And people ask me all the time, you know, should I go faster, give up some accuracy? Should I go slower and be more accurate? I always have the same answer. What gives you a better score? Um, so you, whether you're going on hit factor or IDPA scoring or some other, some other type of scoring, you know, have a system and, you know, go for that. Don't people just pay, they want to pay attention to one or the other. They want to be, Oh, I, I got all A's or whatever. Conveniently forget that they were six seconds too slow or that, right. Oh, I did it. And yeah, whatever the time is. And then, but you had two misses and three D's. Uh, it's, it's, it's the score. And even if you're not a competitive shooter, that's what you, and if you just focus on that, you're going to naturally figure out 
the optimum balance of accuracy and speed. Uh, that's going to get you, you know, that optimum performance. Now, how much, um, when you, you shoot basically irons the whole time and you have the whole time, did you shoot more target focused or, cause I know, I remember in one of your videos, you mentioned your Glock sights, you like a, a wider Bigger space notch. in the rear side. Exactly. So you can uh, get that front sight. You said it was much faster at speed. Yeah, you can just, it's, it's easier to, to, to see the front sight at speed when you have a, a, a bigger notch because it's just, it's not visually getting in the, your rear sight is not visually getting in the way of your front sight so much. So um, it's just, yeah, flat out easier to see. I, I remember it was back in 06 and uh, Dave Savigny and Scott Warren gave me their sights and Savigny Warren sights, which are still around. And I, I didn't know much about the differences between all that. I was just using some normal type sights and they gave me those and I put them on my gun and dry fired. And I remember just like, wow, cause it had a, had a little bigger notch. Um, and I just remember that was kind of a revelation for me. I started to, to, to see the differences and stuff, but with the, I mean the sight, but, and I, I kind of give a whole speech on that too, but it's in short, it's a lot of people seem to think it's either target focus, um, or sight focus. And it's simple as one or the other, because it's totally not, it's, it's a matter of degrees. Uh, obviously the closer and easier a target is, the more focus you have on the target and the less you need on the gun or the sights, but you know, and the farther away and the harder the shots are, you're still going to see the target, but you're going to have to have more and more focus on the sights, whether that be just the front sight or maybe the whole sight picture. So I've never put a number on it to say there's like four or five different levels or six different levels, but it's, right totally a matter of degrees and through experience you you figure out obviously to see just what you need to see to make those shots consistently um if you're not seeing enough you're gonna miss more right if you're seeing too much then you're going too slow uh they can both be be detrimental so you, you kind of learn that through through experience the, 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 the human instinct though is always uh look at the target the more panicked you are, the more nervous you are, the more time pressure you're under, the, the more that's happening at the target, whether the target's moving or more reaction to it, the more your instinct is going to be just to look at the target, point the gun, pull the trigger. And that, that that's only going to be, you know, it's only going to work out some of the time. Then. So it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a whole skill set to develop that. All right. Now I'm going to, I'm going to, you made me think of a question, but I'm going <laughs> to, jump from competition to law enforcement. I know there's a high miss factor in those high stress situations because of exactly what you just said. They're looking at the target or, or the, they're looking at the threat. Let me put it that way. Yeah. And not necessarily their sights. Do you, with, with all of your experience, do you think that red dots on duty guns would help alleviate some of that where they can still look at the target and pretty much don't need to focus on a site per se. They just need to see it. Yeah. I mean, yes and no, like it's the red dots they have, they have advantages and disadvantages. I, I, I think for the most part, um, it, it depends on the person. What I tell people is in my opinion, if you're going to carry a red dot site of some type or real life self-defense, you need to be at a, at a certain level. 
um, not necessarily the greatest shooter, but not below average. Um, because what I see is everybody's going to do better with a red dot when you do the slower stuff. You do distance, you do smaller targets, you do a lot of B8 part-time stuff. You're not really pushed for speed. Um, everybody's going to shoot better with red dots there. And, and uh, where I see kind of your middle of the road to your lower level shooter do worse with red dots is on the closer stuff, on the full-size human type size targets at, at, you know, five yards, seven yards. Um, I see them a lot slower because they, they can't find dot either one, they can't find the dot or two, they're just, they're not learning to shoot without the dot. Uh, a lot of guys, you, you put a full size target out there at five yards, iron sights um, with a dot with, with, with iron sights, they'll come out and, and whether they see the sights or not, uh, whether they need to or not, they will come out. They will shoot. They, they they will shoot the gun, even if they're totally target focused. A lot of unfortunately with iron with with a dot, I see a lot of guys come out and they won't shoot unless they see the dot. Um, and the guys are good enough to not have to do that. But that's I'm just saying what I see with like a lot of your average cop guys out there, and so they take that extra half a second or set whatever it might be in order to find that dot and then shoot now whether that's better or worse would depend on, on the situation. Right. Uh, so that, that the one, yeah. And it's, it's so that, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not for necessarily pro dot or anti against it. Um, I don't, I don't really think it's the be all end all. Like a lot of people kind of want to put out there, uh, but it definitely has, has its advantages. So um, to, to your average, do I think your average cop out there would be better off with a dot in real life type stuff? No. Uh, I will say that. Okay. Uh, now, in, in on engagements past ten yards or further distance, probably yes. On close, at a certain range, it's almost like super close. It doesn't matter. And farther, you have the advantage with a dot. But kind of that middle range, like that. I don't know, man. That that three, four to eight yard range, where I think so much stuff happens, it happens right. so fast that. A lot of guys, if you're not if you're not pretty good, um, you, you're still going to be just looking over the gun and, and shooting. And uh, are you going to do better with that with that dot, or are you going to do better? You just can kind of see that slide a little bit. It, there's a lot of a lot of gray areas in there. But it just at the end of the day, you have to you have to train everything though too. Uh, and I'm 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 kind of a believer in shooting a lot of like moving disappearing targets and shooting at like realistic size targets. I'm not really one of those guys that does a lot of shooting at circles and dots and B eights, which I know that's very popular with a lot of people uh, in large part, because you're going to see more of a performance difference between red dots and irons on those things. than you will shooting full size targets at, you know, uh, faster at, at the realistic ranges. So I don't know if any of that rambling makes any sense, but that's just kind of my, <laughs> that's just my rough rough thoughts about yeah. it. Yeah, go down a lot of different. I, I can, right, I, yeah. I can pick I can pick up a dot, pick up a dot, and 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 shoot it, um, shoot it just fine. I, I think at the end of the day, if you can shoot, you can shoot. So I, I don't really believe there's a lot of magical secrets to shooting a dot that there's so that you know. Give me an iron sight shooter that's a really good shooter 
give him a dot. He's going to be able to do just fine right off the bat. Uh, because if his, if, if his index is there, that's the main thing, really, right? You know, coming out, can you have the dot there every time? And it's it's a lot easier to do if you're standing still. Uh, it's a lot harder to do if you're moving, if you're leaning to the right, leaning to the left, coming out of a car, doing strong hand, support hand. Uh, I see all but the best shooters. I see a lot of times have issues um, with with that. And so, again, the question is, if, it's, if it takes you another second or so to find the dot and shoot, maybe that's going to be better. Maybe it's not. It just it just depends. The one advantage that the iron does have is obviously, you know, if you index the gun out there, if the sights are not aligned, you see where they're at. 100% you yeah. can see exactly where they're at, and you can correct it very quickly. Obviously, that's, the, in my mind, the biggest disadvantage of a dot is just the fact that if you present the gun out there and you don't see the dot, you don't know where it's at, and and you're going to have to move. And, and so that's just... It's something to, to contend with, but, but overall it is obviously easier. I mean, that's, um, if you, if you see the dot to look at it, it doesn't take a lot of as much talent and as much skill to see the dot. Cause you, you can look at the target and the dot kind of at the same time, you don't really have to have a, a focus difference like you do with irons. Right. Um, so totally see how that is, is, it is an advantage. So yeah, definitely has an advantage, but I'm I'm not yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say like that it doesn't have any disadvantages because it does. Uh, but it's kind of whatever whatever guys want to do. Yeah, and uh, you know I I carry, but I I'm not I refuse to carry anything smaller than the size of an RMR because I have found through competition and that <laughs> just that little bit of stress that that's a smaller size window with a dot. And if you yeah. don't dry fire enough to get that index down properly, that's hard to find, yeah. uh, you know, in a time constraint. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. I when mean, I first started shooting it, I, I, I went up to other shooters. I'm like, hey, how are you finding your dot so fast? Because yeah. I'm like getting up there going, where in the heck is this dot at? Yeah. So, it, I mean, it, it, it totally is. So, again, it just it depends on the – on the situation and in a real life gunfight, I mean, if the guy, if the dude's 12, 15 yards away, you know, not moving too much, probably better on the dot. If the dude is four or five yards away and, and moving fast off to the side and you got to move most honestly, I think most people probably would be better off irons because there's not many people that are going to, I agree, you know, be, be fast enough to really come up, see the aim and, and, and that, that kind of speed um, with, with moving targets. That's just, and that I'm just saying that from experience of running lots and lots of people through drills with, with both guns. Uh, is, oh, I believe it. Is all I'm just, just what I would, what I would see. So, yeah. I totally get it. So I was going to ask if you thought that you could overcome a lack of trigger control with more grip, but after our discussion, it's obviously that's not the. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, a little bit, a little bit, but not, not too much. Um, yeah, it's just so much. You know, at the end of the day, it's not. It's not human nature to move this finger uh, 
100% by itself. And it's just the yes. faster you go, the faster you go, the more pounds you got to press, the more likely you're moving your other fingers and the rest of the hand at the same time. And uh, some people genetically do that more than others. Um, that's why I'm, I'm big on the dry fire thing. I really am because it's just if you if you rep that enough, if you spend enough time trying to just simply, you know, out there and, and working that finger very fast and trying to keep the sights centered on the target, your body actually changes. It actually adapts and will change and will allow your finger to work more independently um, over time. But it's totally something you train yourself to do more so than just some magical flip switch that you flip in your head and then you then you can do it it's just not that it's not that easy so have you read any of lanny basham's stuff yeah i read uh i mean the the winning in mind book back in 07 i i usually give that book a decent amount of credit for winning my first nationals because uh yeah 100 percent big on all that mental all, all, all the mental stuff. I mean, the directive affirmation and, and just the positive everything. So I'm, I'm very big on that. I, I was going to say, because when I was listening to one, uh, I forget which podcast it was. It might have been Arik Levy's. Um, you mentioned some, you, like you said, direct affirmation and some other things that I thought was pretty interesting. I was like, uh, it sounds like he's read some Lanny Basham stuff. Now, do you feel like you would have been able to accomplish what you did without reading it? Like, just take longer to get there? Uh, I mean, it, that'd be a total guess. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, it definitely helped. At the end of the day, I mean, the, the things that you say out loud to come out, out of your mouth tend to become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, and I, I really do. I really do believe that. And, and you just by saying all that you're you're tricking your brain into believing you know that it's supposed to happen almost more than it already happened and i think in, it matters in the critical times uh when you think about you know just being an athlete or being yeah, being a, a cop in a certain situation even or whatever you, you spend so much of your time training and then it comes down into very 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 small amounts of time for that calls for performance i mean just think about the competitive shooting and how much time an average person would spend in a year practicing and you go to nationals, you know what you're doing? I mean, it's how you perform in two minutes. Everything you do in a year is how you perform in two minutes. You go to world shoot every three years, uh, you know, maybe, oh, maybe three minutes. I mean, you're on the clock for that long. So it's just like, it's, that's when that's, and that's what matters. That's the only time that matters. Uh, I'm leading up to that and everything, but it's, if you do this stuff mentally, then in those critical moments, you know, you, are more likely to feel like it is supposed to be you that does this. And it's just, it's, I mean, I would say you take two guys competing against each other in anything and, and assume for a minute that both those guys are equal. Usually it's not right, but let's assume they're both equal, physical, all this stuff. But the one guy believes a little more than the other guy that it's supposed to be him that wins. Like he just believes that more. There's no way to know that. There's no way to measure it. That guy will win more. Guaranteed, he'll win more. They want doesn't mean he'll win every time, but he'll win more. There's there's just that, and, and that's how you create that with all the with that book and the directive affirmation and saying positive things. And you, you know, it, it, there's still other factors. I've been dead calm in some of the biggest situations. I've been more nervous in some of the not as big situations, and I can put a finger on it sometimes. 
because it's just I'm human. I'm a human being like anybody else. But overall, right. average, the more you, you do that, uh, you're just adding the odds in your favor. Some people get that more than others. Some people are just not very deep people anyways. Um, not that they're not intelligent. Some people are intelligent. They're just not very deep, I think. And, and they might not really get, get that or buy into it as much. But it's like anything else when you prove to me, I proved to myself earlier that it mattered. And I believe it mattered. And I do believe it matters. And um, so it's, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely big on the mental aspect of stuff. Now, er, earlier, um, we had talked about where the sport has evolved since you first got into it. It's evolved since, you know, Rob Latham won his first national championship. <laughs> 20 years before you, there was a big evolution. Now we've evolved further. Do you see um, coaching ever becoming something for these higher level shooters, especially the way, like you were saying, there's more top end guys shooting, competing against each other. Do you ever see something like actual coaching going on like you see in other sports? I mean, it's totally probably will come more with the future. I think you have, you have some of that um, now. It just it depends on the people. I think actually in other, I think it's more common in other countries where there's like literally like a budget for that. Um, oh, and wow. I, I won't speak a lot. I'm not going to say exact specifics because I don't I, I don't want to. But I know that it seems to me, and I've been on a lot of international stuff. And um, where other countries like, oh, you're the best shooter in this, one of the best shooters in this country. Okay, okay, well, you're, this is what your job is now. And so and so and so, that, like, it's just a little, it can be a little more involved, you know, in the end of the day, it's because of money. Somebody's paying for that. Um, right. uh, now, here, uh, you know, somebody's, somebody's dad or somebody, you know, somebody's, independently wealthy or whatever can do more of that thing i I don't i mean i i know most of the best shoes from a personal level out there i don't really know of anybody in my mind that really has a coach per se or or that it's totally necessary but if i mean if if it became some kind of a real spectator sport where you've got a lot of money on the line i suppose more people would be trying that and trying to to up their up their level so uh, i guess the future will kind of see on that but in the day i mean shooting's not a it's just not a spectator sport it's not you know right you be a national world champion you're what do you win you win a trophy you know you might win at certain matches oh you a gun that might might if you sold it might cover half of your expenses for there, but there's just no. It's not like you win nationals and there's a hundred thousand dollars, you know, there's something like that. Uh, I think that would definitely change the game. Yeah, I think it would, <laughs> I think it would, change, it would change it. You know, it would it would probably change things. Uh, but now it's, yeah, I think it's almost like it's more of an amateur sport than it used to be. I, I would say because you have more more matches and the, and the prizes. You go back even before my day and to hear some of the older guys talk and there wasn't as many matches and, and, and you could win some real money. Like if you want 
beaten you nationals. You won steel challenge. You know, like you could, you could come away because it's like all these sponsors put what they're going to give into just maybe five matches. Now they're now doing it into a hundred. So there's not right. as much in any, in, in any match. And the TV, you know, used to be probably a little bit more television. They may have the stuff on ESPN a little bit. I don't know. Good luck getting what we do on yeah. ESPN now. So it, it's, I'm not complaining one way or the other, but it's, I'm just looking at that's, that's how, that's how that is. Um, it's just, it's about a 10, just like the Olympics, if you were whatever, Michael Phelps or Simone Biles in gymnastics or swimming, you could become a multimillionaire. You can be the world champion in something else. Nobody knows who you are whatsoever. You're still, those guys are still totally broke. I'll be living in their mom's basement. And um, there's just because nobody, they don't get attention. And that's, right. that's what it would take. That's what it would take to get the money and, and, and all that stuff. And, um, I just I've thought about that kind of thing a bit. It doesn't doesn't matter to me one way or the other. I'm I'm content with what I'm doing and everything. But it's interesting. Uh, interesting, just the differences and all that stuff. Now you've shot um, internationally. Are are there any places internationally where you've gone to shoot and they've actually had prize money or anything more than just a trophy? Well, I I think there that there are were some that uh, I don't know any that I really shot that I I had heard of some matches. Basically, it would come down to some rich guy that owns the range and he wants to attract some attention, so he'll put up some money mm. to whoever wins. Ne- never, I've, I think I've heard of a couple of those, like in Russia. Uh, nothing like super substantial. Um. Yeah, like nothing more than what somebody like me would probably make in a weekend of doing a class, whatever. But it's, it's so, yeah, not really. I've never heard of the, 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 the whole, the, the, the top shot thing and the 100,000 and top shot and whatever, 10, 12 years ago. And I was a little bit a part of that. Uh, that was, that was the most I've ever seen as far as like monetarily wise, you, you could could ever win for some type of a shooting match right? Uh, that, that I know of. So, and that was kind of a, yeah, that was a big deal at the time there. That, that was a, that was a neat show. I was sad to see that go away. Yeah. Yeah. Ran for like four seasons and I was, I was an expert on the fourth season and uh, I was almost got, I, I almost got on the first season. It was kind of without, the quick story on that, which a lot of people ask me about that is I heard about it and they're like, we're going to hundred thousand dollar prize. We're going to take some of the best shooters from all these different disciplines, throw them together and whoever wins. And so I was applying and they actually called me and apparently my name was on a, a list of top USPSA shooters. So they actually called me, Hey, and I was like, well, I'm actually already going to apply. Anyways, long story short, I applied. <laughs> I don't know how many people, I think maybe three or 4,000 or 5,000. I don't know how many people applied. They picked a hundred wow. of us. Um, that's what I was told. They picked a hundred of us. I was in the I was in the hundred they picked, and they flew us out to L.A. for a week to determine the sixteen, or no, was, was it fifty or a hundred? I can't remember. I think it was fifty. They picked fifty of us. They flew fifty of us out to L.A. for a week to 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 pick the sixteen that are going to be on the show. 
And we get out there, and I see a lot of guys that I know out there. And anyways, I thought it was going to be a little more of a shooting contest. Um, but they, we got there the first day, and the first thing they tell us on the range day is, okay, guys, uh, shooting is just one small part of this. You could be first out of 50 people here. doesn't mean you're going to get on the show. You could be last out of 50. It doesn't mean you're not getting on the show. You go out. Uh, all they did was hand us about three or four different guns, and we shot a bullseye target 10 times with each gun. Um, and I remember at the very end, I found out, I guess I was like third or fourth out of the 50 people in the shooting. And I was happy with that because it was really all bullseye. So anything with speed or anything, um, but you had to go through a bunch of other personality thing and psych tests and all mm. that. The, the thing that mattered the most was the, the board interview at the end. And, um, I just kind of figured out, I, I fit the bill. There's like maybe eight other guys here, that like fit the bill on me, like credential wise, whatever. And, and they're going to pick about. Two, two or three of us and, and two or three of this guy. So what I, I didn't get, I didn't get picked. And at the time I was a little upset about that. Now looking back, I don't really, didn't really, it doesn't really bother me. I ended up, I got on later as an expert and I would have rather done that. Cause it was set up to where, I mean, anybody could win. It's kind of a crapshoot type of thing. A lot of the guns weren't sighted in. They didn't use the same guns. I mean, there was like, right. It was end of the day it was the show about, in my opinion, it was it, it was a show made to appeal to your average person and not your average shooter. And and there there was a there was a difference there. I mean, it was totally great. It was a show about shooting on national TV. Uh, but it was again initially, I, I learned a little bit off of that that okay, this is not going to be, in my opinion, a real contest here as much as as much as much as what I would want or what I would be used to. It seems like it was more reality-based TV. Well, yeah, it was, and that's what yeah, it's what sold. That's what people wanted to see. So, um, right, glad it happened. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I heard actually that they were a little disappointed at the end of the first season when there wasn't any drama in the house. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's the other <laughs> thing that I, you know, just the fact how they they would record you constantly and have hours and hours of you of footage and then pick out. 30 seconds and maybe take it out of context and make right. you look a certain way. They, want, they can make just about anybody a bad guy if they want to do. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's just, that's just how that, that's just how that goes. That's why I stopped watching the uh, UFC's ultimate fighter. I couldn't deal with the, the way they did their season. I like the fighting part, Yeah, but I, I could skip yeah. all the house stuff. I don't need that nonsense. Yeah. And it's just, it's unfortunate that, you know, I guess that's what sells. I mean, there's the, the people that are really serious and like the details and the competitive stuff. Apparently that, that, that number of people that are like that is less than the number of people that just like drama. People gravitate toward drama. So, yeah. I look at social media. It's I mean, it's a reflection of that. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. It's crazy. Sure. So there was um, something I was going to ask you about earlier and I'll go ahead and ask it now real quick. You also mentioned something, I, I believe it was during Auric Levy's Shooter Summit, that you feel in dry fire versus live fire, you should be within 3 to 5%. And you even made the comment that your your lesser shooters or your less experienced shooters, whatever you want to call it, your, your you know, A, B, or C class, maybe not yeah. even A, but B, C, and down, you know, you find that if you run a drill – they get better and better as the drill goes along and they might have a 15 to 20% improvement. Whereas your higher level shooters will stay pretty consistent within a three to 5% uh, 
distance yeah. or gap. And what – well, do you think dry fire – so you – what am I trying to say? So you didn't use – you don't use a timer except when you started. You recommend new shooters do use a timer for part-times, that different type of thing. But do you think you can close that gap just through dry fire, or, or is it going to take um, an equal amount of live fire? To- I, mean, it's, I, I think that, that that would have as much to do with live fire as dry fire. But obviously, it's just the higher-level shooters, they, they know their ability, and they're able to come out the first time and, and come a lot closer to that ability than the lower-level shooters. It's, like, it's kind of like they don't know their – like they don't know their ability. They, they, they can go fast. They can, but you kind of, they got to work their way into it. And, and, and so it, it, it it's not just drive hard in life, but it comes down to, again, being particular, I think paying attention to time. Like if I go out to chew whatever, uh, a, a bill drill or an El Prez or a plate rack or any number of other known classifier type drills. Like if I go out, I kind of know, this is what I'm supposed to do on this, this time. And I go out and, and, and I do it. And then I'm, I'm holding myself to that standard. And, and so if you do that enough, then you, you get used to coming out and, and just going at that, at your pace that you should go at uh, because you've, you've paid attention to the times and you're, you've held yourself accountable to certain scores and stuff. And the lower, lower level guys, they don't really know. They don't really do that because they don't really pay attention to that as much. Probably. They don't really know the numbers. I'm like, okay, you know, you, you did this in five seconds last practice session. Now uh, I want you to do it right here. And, 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 and they're, they're going into that. And ideally they would know, okay, five second pace. I know what five second pace feels like. This is what I'm going to do. Boom. And then they do it as opposed to just like not really having any idea of that and just doing it. And, oh, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm seven seconds. Was it, was that good? Was that, you know, so it's, right. yeah, that, that, that kind of thing. I mean, being able to come out in the, the first try, come as close to your ability on the first try is, is what I'm talking about here. And I, I think it's, yeah, just as much like in live fires and dry fire, it's, it's, it's both of those things, but it's, it's just, yeah. A lot of people, and they, they, they can accidentally go slow because they, they, they are not trained to go at, at that real speed is what I call it. Um, and that, that's why I don't really do much. And a lot of guys, instructors, other places, not so much competition are like, well, do demos at half speed so that you do it totally correctly. I don't really like to do that because then, then I could accidentally go at half speed. I don't want to do that. I, I, I want to be able to not think about it 100% of the time. Guaranteed, I'm going to go real speed. Um, I'm not going to accidentally, oh, I snap back into my half speed mode. No, why would I want to go half speed? I, I don't, I don't really, I want to say I don't have a half speed. I, I could, I could do it, <laughs> but I don't really want to get in the habit of doing it because I don't want to accidentally do it. I feel like you'd have to be sedated to have a half speed. Well, I, I mean, just, <laughs> I can go slower, but I just, yeah, I try to go at that. Yeah, you mess up a little bit more. And I still, I still, I tell people this all the time. Like, if I have to do something one time when it counts, when everybody's watching, the cameras are rolling, I feel like I go about ninety percent because I, I can be a lot more consistent at ninety percent than than hundred percent. Now, if you go out and like, okay, we're going to make a YouTube video and we can do this 
countless number of times and we're going to pick your best run, well, then that's different. I'm going to go 100%. Right. And I'm going to, now I'm going to screw up a lot more, but I'm going to, I'm going to get that one really good run that's going to look good and we're going to put that. Uh, I mean, it's just, it, you got to be able to, you got to be able to flip a switch in your brain and go back and forth between that, between this is like balls out 100%. And this is like, okay, this is my one time when it counts right now. And there's a lot of good shooters that are, that have, you know, they're 100% is really high. They are very, they're, able to do things at a very high level but they probably wouldn't do well as well nearly at a match when you only get one time when everybody's watching pressure's on and then that's a difference that's a different skill set than just being you know being able to shoot something at, at, at a high score on something so yeah it's interesting yeah i, I agree so how, you, some of the stuff we mentioned, but you, you post some very interesting things on Instagram, like the tip of the cigarette, the <laughs> uh, the shooting the bee out of the air, the playing card on its edge on a mover on the I mean, swinger. Yeah, I mean, the, I do some of my best thinking in the morning when I'm showering. It's like all of these things come to mind. Where are you when these ideas? <laughs> come racing through your head yeah well i mean honestly i'm just always like like i say because i don't shoot as many matches and stuff and and I'm, i've kind of gone a little more that way like I'm, I'm an adventurous person and i'm i'm looking to do a lot of things in life that i haven't done um and that goes along obviously i'm in into shooting so i'm always thinking in my mind what what can i do a lot of it is what can i do that i've never seen anybody else do um that's something different, some kind of, and I'm big on the whole moving different kind of, so I'm always, is always in the back of my mind looking for an opportunity to do something like, like one of those things that you just mentioned. Um, I'm lucky enough. I live in a house in the country. I have a range right at my backyard. Um, I, I can do just about anything I want to do. You know, a lot of other people wouldn't have the opportunities um that i do because of you know where i live and everything but yeah it, it's just it's just fun to me it's just interesting it's it's neat it's different and um it's fun i'm all yeah it's fun yeah. i just put it out there and and it's just you know the same not you know i don't know it's the same old running state videos it's like i just i don't want to say i'm trying to be special but it's like okay and i'm gonna do that you know hundreds of other guys can put the same thing whether it's what's you know i'm, I'm gonna take something that i haven't seen you know, and it's, so it's, yeah, it's fun. It's neat. And, and I'm, I'm, I like to do it. So I'm, yeah, I it keeps you it, see, see what else I can possibly come up with in the future. I, but yeah. I feel like you need to get one of those ballistic dummies, the new ones that are super anatomically correct with blood inside of them oh, and everything. Yeah. I feel like you could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. You know, that would be, I'll, I'd have to look into that. I don't have one of those. Okay. They'd probably give you one just because oh. of who you are. Well, <laughs> I might have to try it again. There you go. All right. A couple of real quick questions. Um, one, so one of the things I like to ask people that have traveled around is their worst travel story. Like Linda Turnbull and Maxine Grandis had their PCCs um, confiscated in Europe. You know, Juanza Kim had an AR-15 pointed at his face um, in New York. 
I, we've got a Canadian couple we know. They've had a couple of things. They almost got arrested in Italy. They almost lost their guns in Florida. I mean, just craziness. So what is your craziest travel story? It doesn't have to be worse. Just craziest travel story. Yeah. Uh, well, more, yeah, I don't know if I could say my worst one. But, nah. Well, um, well I, I've never, I've, thankfully, I've never had my gun confiscated. I've never lost a gun. I've, I've been delayed many times, and all, obviously that's a nightmare. Um, New York almost almost arrested me there. I, the, the craziest travel story, just very short details on this, but I was detained in Romania one time for eight hours. This was not at the airport. This was outside. This was oh. out basically at some kind of a, which is why I don't know if it didn't really counts, but um, yeah, I was basically detained. It, it was kind of like a discrepancy in a bar type thing. And yeah, they, they, I had a pocket knife and I didn't, I did not touch a pocket knife. I did not pull it out, but somebody said that I did. And I got oh, down to boy. the station. I got hauled down to the station for eight hours. And um, yeah, eventually they, they believed me. I wasn't charged with anything, anything like that. Um, but for about eight hours, I thought that maybe I was going to be, you know, I, I was an outsider and, and I didn't right. speak, Locked speak up in language. A overseas. It was like I, I thought it was kind of a money grab type of thing. I had some money on me and I thought they, they didn't take it. I, you know, I thought, oh, they're going to take all my money. I had maybe two grand or something. And, um, but it was, yeah, point being, yeah, I was, uh, detained for eight hours and I thought I might go to jail and my passport revoked and it didn't happen, but it's a little scary. Yeah. So, pucker factor is a little high there for a few hours. Yeah. Yeah, but that, I, sure. that that would that would be it. Otherwise, just a bunch of different delays, and they lost the gun for a day or two, or this or that. Um, like I said, the New York thing was. If I wouldn't have been a cop flying through New York, they would have arrested me. But I, I still, I'm still a reserve officer. I still have a badge. Uh, that I was actually that was just a few months ago. <clears throat> yeah, don't fly through New York. I didn't even I didn't even get my bag either. That just was a layover. I wasn't supposed to go through there, but they didn't send me through there. Uh, and that's the only way I was going to get to, I think I was going to LA. Um, and they just, yeah, I mean, I did, I was just sat in the airport for three hours waiting my layover, uh, did not get my bag, got on the plane, got on the back of the plane, almost ready to take off. And they stopped and they're like, call my name, come to the front of the plane and, oh, you have a weapon and all this. Stuff. So, yeah, I just cleared it and this and this. And, and they found out, yeah. Oh, you're a, you're a cop. Okay. All right, we'll let you go. So sort of wow. thing. But what? That's kind of like what Juancic said. He was same type of situation. And the, um, oh, shoot, the um, the people who work in the airport, transportation folks, TSA, actually brought him over and, had, you know, look, we'll just let the New York police know. And yeah. that's when, you know, he's like, they're like, wait a minute. You know, we're letting you know what's going on and everything's kosher. But, yeah, he said that dude – pointed that gun straight at his face. He was like, whoa. Really? Yeah, New York. So kind of nuts. Because, I don't know, I mean, Chicago or L.A. or San Francisco and all the I've flown to all those quite a few times. I've never had any issues. But I've always heard New York is just extra super like that. And they, they, they are. So if you're ever going somewhere, 
anybody listening and you're because you, usually I won't I would not pick a layover in New York but again I was going to a class in LA and my whatever Denver wherever it was that got canceled and they're like the only one that's open is New York it's just either do that or I'm gonna miss I'm gonna miss the class and um I just say oh, yeah I'll I'll whatever I'm trying it because I mean for sure for sure if you're gonna go to or from there or if you're gonna get your bags and try to check in the next day or something hundred percent for don't do that. I thought maybe I'll be all right. right. Just getting off the airplane, getting back on. Right. Uh, but nope. So and that was, yeah, I just, somebody else was telling me that uh, they did that and what they $17,000. I think they said it cost wow. them. I really think it kind of, it's like a money thing. They're just going to rest. They don't care if the law is legally, they're just going to do all this stuff and they, they know enough people and it's just going to, cost a bunch of money and that's why they do it if i had if i had to say nuts crazy all right last question i have is what does your make ready slash visualization look like so when they go make ready what is that process you go through well i mean it's it's mostly what you do way before that so obviously i will have once i figure out how to shoot the stage visualize it a lot of times. And, and what I tell people, you visualize it, you know, how you and how you would do the stage um, over and over and over again until, and this is how I know I've done it enough, until I can do it in my mind twice as fast as what I will really be able to shoot it in with no hesitation. So maybe 10 rehearsals, it may be 50. Um, but that's how I, because you, you have to be able to do it at a subconscious level. People are slow because you watch them, they have to think their way through the stage. They shoot the first array and they're like, uh, go over here. They have these pauses. And so you run it through your mind until I can do it twice as fast with no hesitation. That's the main thing. At that point, once I have that down, then I'm there and then it's at the low to make ready. Um, I'm not really thinking much of anything. I'm just, I'm trusting myself i'm going to do this at a subconscious level main thing i'm doing is just taking a deep breath before the standby like okay i got i, I kind of got that first place i'm going a little bit in my mind but at that point take a deep breath and then it just again it goes back to the real speed thing i'm trusting myself to go at that natural pace because the last thing i want to do is feel like mm, i have to go fast and feel like yourself get all tense and jacked up because that doesn't go well so I'm just, I've already done my, done my mental prep, taking a deep breath and just flow. And that's, that's how I would put that. Okay. So I would take it then you probably have a fairly short make ready then. Um, yeah, I, I, I take it out. And if it's USSA where you're allowed to get a side picture, um, I mean, I'm, I'm getting, a, getting, a, getting a clean draw and I'm getting my hands on the gun because chances are I might not have gripped the gun in the last hour or so. So I, I, I always do that just because it's like my hands stretch. If I can do that, my hands will stretch kind of to the gun and it, it'll, it'll feel a little bit better <clears throat> in my hand if I kind of get one little dry fire in. But it's not, I mean, I can't do that, so I can totally not do it. Uh, but I, I don't, in the bits, I'm super confident. I, I'll kind of go right to it. If, if I'm not, and like, oh, do I, you know, I might take that extra minute and like sit there like you see people do and you know, run through in your head. Uh, but it just depends on, depends on the stage and, and how I'm feeling at that time. 
but you gotta you gotta be, you gotta be yeah relaxed especially the longer more complicated stage that it is you you cannot be all tensed up so if you are take a few extra breaths relax and just you're gonna go at your natural pace and you're gonna do what you're gonna do so you sound um you're only the second interview where someone said they know when they're ready when they can they run through it as fast as they can jacob harrington and John Browning said the same thing from the U.S. Okay. Army Marshalship Unit. Yeah, I, I, they, I, know, said when, I know those guys. Yeah, when they got up there, they said, we literally run through the whole thing as fast as we can in our head. And then we know yeah. we're, we're there. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, that's and I can say for me, it's, it's I would say twice as fast, but definitely faster. Because it's like, if I can do it in my mind, like if it's sitting, you know, boom, 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 reload, and then step over here, boom, 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 like, boom, like right there. I just did that and five seconds. I'm not going to actually do it in five seconds, but if I can do it, if I can do it faster in my mind um, at a subconscious level, then, then when I get out there and if, if the idea is while I'm shooting the stage, if my brain goes blank at some point, my body still does the right thing. Um, and that's, that's all that matters right there is to not, cause my worst fear in a stage is at some point in the stage is to like freeze up mentally and go be like oh what do i do now oh yeah i go over here i i don't want that to ever happen and so right. the, the the yeah when you when you can get it just as fast preferably faster you know like i say literally even twice as fast in your mind no hesitation then i'm pretty confident that i will do i will do the right thing so i think a lot of people again knowing how to knowing how to shoot the stage and having it be mentally programmed are not the same thing. A lot of guys know how to shoot the stage, but they, again, they have to think their way through it. If you have it mentally right. programmed, you're able to do it at a faster pace, and then you're going to ideally have no hesitation when you actually shoot it. All right. So, yeah. Well, Robert, that's all I have. Um, questions? Or was there anything that uh, you feel we – you need to clarify or add or anything you want to um, um not necessarily i mean plug? I went pretty pretty well plug i just other than okay. <laughs> myself i mean now i just do what i'm doing I'm out there i'm teaching classes and primarily what i'm doing these days on my website localdynamics.com i do a lot of travel around i do a lot of like a lot of two-day weekend classes different places and i have a private range in my house i do a lot of uh, people come from wherever for for more private classes, smaller numbers, and then you know I'm always open to I'm always open to, to kind of going wherever and doing classes. So most of the stuff that I get, I'm just people that would email me like, "Hey man, would never you know, do a class in this area or whatever." They have a club or something, and that's how I end up with most of the stuff that I that I do. I have a few different few different classes listed on my website. I mean, a lot of it is, it's, it's, you know, I teach, I teach performance shooting, so I'm not a stranger to tactics, but I'm teaching more, you know, how fast and accurate can you shoot and which I think applies across the board, um, kind of whatever you're doing, you know, either a competitive guy, just kind of a like to shoot for concealed carry or, you know, you put your life on the line, law enforcement, military, it's all, it's all shooting skills. So that's, um, but yeah, I would say that, but that's really all, all I got. Okay. So just go to your website, vogeldynamics.com and yeah. you can. Yeah, Vogel Dynamics, 
Vogelinamics.com or if just I think if you just Google my name, Robert Vogel comes up first too. But um yeah, either one. But uh, that's exactly what I did. All right. Well I, what, what, once you said you were coming on, I'm like, all right, let me do my research. I'm like, holy cow, there's a lot of stuff here. Okay. It's well that's, out. Yeah, that's good. But yeah, no, yes. thanks. Th- thanks for having me on, man. It's been been great and got a lot of different things covered and talked about and whatnot. Yeah. So thank you. I appreciate yeah, you it. You bet. All right. Well, All hopefully right. I'll run into you somewhere down the line or something. We'll to talk I hope so. Sometime. I sure hope so. All right, All right man. Okay, you too. Thanks a lot. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah. <laughs>